Welcome to the Extra Innings Podcast here at the Seattle Times. I'm beat writer Ryan Divish. Uh, I'm coming to you live from Safeco Field. I get, God, I always say coming to you live. I'm not live. But I'm recording this from Safeco Field. It's Friday night. The game against the Mets has just started. Uh, I just wrapped up a conversation with Larry Stone uh, for the day. Basically, we're discussing the trade of the day, uh, which is the Mariners rec- acquiring uh, former Mariner. Erasmo Ramirez from the Rays in exchange for reliever Steve Ciszek. You know, nothing beyond what Larry and I are going to talk about. This was a deal that the Mariners need a starting pitcher. Erasmo has club control for the next two years. He's a free agent after the 2019 season. So you get him this year, next year, and the year after that. Um, and Ciszek was going to be a free agent. The Mariners needed some help in the starting pitching market. They needed more depth. Uh, and they went out and got him. Um, I do think that the addition of David Phelps, the presence of Dan Altavilla, Tiago Vieira, some of those guys in Tacoma will allow the Mariners to kind of move on from, from C-Sheck. They can, they can use other people in a role. I think Phelps will take a more high leverage role, uh, and he's not quite as limited against le- lefties as, as C-Sheck was. So I think, you know, with Zick and, and David Phelps, you have a two- a combination of two guys that aren't situational. You can pitch them one full inning regardless of who's coming up. I think that's very important for the Mariners. So I, I think that made Ciszek a little easier to deal and the fact that he's going to be a free agent. Uh, Erasmo Ramirez will start Tuesday in Texas. Andrew Moore was sent out today to Tacoma. Uh, he was, you know, he struggled. I think we all realize that. He struggled with his command. He struggled with giving up home runs. I think he was brought up a little bit sooner than ideally wanted, but given the Mariners' pitching struggles, they had to do it. Um, and as part of the the podcast today, what we're going to do also is Jerry Depoto spoke with the media like the last time we did the podcast. I'm going to include that audio of Jerry talking about the trade for Erasmo Ramirez. Uh, I asked him specifically about the idea of acquiring frontline starting pitching, uh, specifically to the Sonny Gray rumors. He talked about that with a little reference to Ken Rosenthal's column, which Larry and I also discussed. So please uh, I enjoy, please go ahead and listen to it. You know, I'll, I'm supposed to tell you you should subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or however we do that because that helps us in some way. So I'm forward to being on. Please, you know, don't be afraid to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, and with further ado, we'll get to the show. Versatility is the, the first thing that comes to mind. He can start, he can release, he can sink it. Uh, he keeps the ball in the ground. Uh, he's had experience in the league. I feel he's a trustworthy strike thrower, and from what I understand, great makeup. Do you expect him to see him as a starter long term? Oh, we'll see. I, I expect him as a starter now. Exactly. And uh, that, that's part of the wonder of versatility, is he can do either. So right now, what he provides us is, is almost a perfect scenario in that he can start. We have the ability with young guys like Andrew Moore and Marco Gonzalez to, to potentially promote if that is, a, a, is something we want to explore later in the season. 
And Erasmus also had a fair amount of success in this league as a starter. You know, as, as a starter, he's been pretty good since he's been with the Rays. And, and uh, you know, we feel like that some combination of his ability to swing, whether it's that, that long guy in the pen, the multi-inning reliever, or the, the starter is really appealing to us right now. Jerry, you got it. Can you do anything more with your team? Are you still going to be active? Oh, uh, sure. I mean, we're always we're always open. We're, we've got the the phone is never very far from me, and and there are areas we can improve. So we'll keep our ear to the street. I'd say the likelihood is that that there's probably not going to be another move, but I would have told you that two days ago as well. So it's a uh, it's hard to make deals, and and I, I know we we tend to make them a little bit more frequently than other teams, but. It's, uh, it's, it's not that easy to do. And we're not, we're really in a position with Erasmo, he's 27. He's under club control for this year and two more. We have some of the acquisitions we've made. Marco Gonzalez is a, not a free agent until 2023. And you know David Phelps is under control this year and next. And, and those were really appealing things for us. We don't really see this as a, a situation where we'd very likely go out and rent a, a player unless the deal was, was really up our alley. What questions might you have? <laughs> Jerry, you mentioned though that you weren't you didn't see yourselves as a guy going out and getting a big name frontline starting pitcher. That hasn't changed or is that you know, you're still thinking that way? I don't think that's ever been very likely, you know. We have you know, we we've I think we've been very conscious of preserving our talent pool. And by our talent pool, if you look around our field, our catcher's 26 years old, our right fielder's 26 years old, our center fielder, uh, at least the one for the last three or four days, is 26 years old. Our left fielder's 25 years old, our shortstop's 27, our third baseman's 29, our closer's 23. We don't think we're on a, on a you know, a jet getting ready to crash into the earth. We, we think we're a sustainable uh, product. We like our team. We're built around a core of players like Robbie and Nelson and Felix and Kyle. And there was a reason why you've heard me through the last two years talking about raising the floor. But I think we've effectively raised the floor. You know, we've, we've got the second and third leading hitters in the American League. We've got a group of young players around the field who are doing positive things. We've got a bullpen that I think is coming together nicely. And, and now, especially with some of the more recent additions, is, is sustainable and diverse. And we need to address our starting pitching. But in order to get starting pitching, you draft it, you cultivate it, you grow it. Resign it as free agents because trading for starting pitching is, is ridiculously expensive. As you can see by the fact that we got a, one of the 15 best WRC plus hitters in the league playing right field and the league's second leading hitter at shortstop trading out of a mid-rotation starter. So it's a, it is particularly expensive to do, and, and we're aware of that. Jay, was there any unease about trading with a team that you're competing for a wild card spot with? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, at the end of the day, we control our own destiny. We go play them, and they play us. Uh, we know Steve. We also know Erasmo. And right now, with where we were, and I said this to Steve Ciszek when I spoke with him last night, you know, Steve Steve did a great job for us. And uh, he, did, he had an outstanding year last year, took a little bit more criticism than maybe he deserved. I thought he did a great job. And he battled back this year and came in to contribute when it, he, he could have punted, uh, frankly, and, and might have been justified. But he's a warrior. He did what we asked him to do. But right now, the, the multi-inning capability and the starting ability of Erasmo Ramirez just makes far more sense for our roster. And it sets us up, you know, as we head toward a, a free agent market in, in th this coming offseason, for starting pitching, it's not a particularly deep group. Therefore, Erasmo Ramirez presents to us an option that didn't otherwise exist.
what had you guys seen in Erasmo recently? I think he had a seven-game starting stretch roughly through May and June where he had an ERA over six in that time. What are you seeing from, from him right Same now? thing. I would, you know, small sample sizes I don't get too caught up in, truly. He's 27 years old. He's been in the league for a number of years now, and, and he has a, a track record. His last start was on June 21st, and he threw particularly well against the Cincinnati Reds. And, you know, his, his velocity has generally been stable for most of his time in the big leagues. It has been stable this year. All of the different traits of his pitches, his strike throwing, his bat missing, are all the same as they've always been. He generally su suppresses a, a lot of kind of fly ball hard contact and limits it to on the ground hard contact. Line drives aren't a big thing for him. All of these things remain true today. His, his fielding independent performance has been eh, significantly better than his, his earn run average would suggest. So all the things that Erasmo's done, he's still doing and, and always has done. My guess is he'll continue to do it. And you know, we're not looking him to step in and be a superstar. We're just looking for him to step in and be Erasmo Ramirez. Yeah, you're not going to crash and burn is what you're saying as an organization. Uh, we might, but I don't think it's going to happen because we weren't attentive to controlling our own player pool. You had a chance to see Marco the other day. How close is he? Uh, Marco looked great. Marco was 90-93 with what I would consider to be a well above average changeup. Uh, an average curveball that he can throw for a strike when he wants to. He peppers the strike zone. He's very athletic. And through five innings, he was just cruising. Uh, ran into a little trouble in the sixth. Managed the inning fairly well after putting the first two runners on. And, and I think looked about as big league ready as a triple-A pitcher could be. Uh, we're very encouraged by what we saw. We also don't want to put him in a situation where he's having to come in and be the savior. So, you know, he's he's throwing particularly well in triple-A. Eventually, we'll see him here in, here in 2017. Just a matter of whether that is in August or in September. Jerry, based on memory for Erasmus, it seems like when he has been on, he's been really, really efficient with his pitches. Is there something in particular that has enabled him to do that when he's been on? There's, I, I think he's really well adjusted. From what I understand, never gets too high, never gets yeah. too low. He's very well prepared. Uh, from what I understand, super guy uh, that will do whatever you ask him to do. And when I spoke to him, I, I told him, we are we're planning on you starting for us on Tuesday. You know, I know you haven't started in over a month. Are you okay with that? And he said, oh, yeah, I'll do whatever you need. And, and my guess is he'll do it to the best of his ability. And, and he's going to have bad days, and he's going to have good days like anybody else in the league. But he's been out there before. And he knows who he is, and we feel like, you know, Erasmo with the ability to keep the ball on the ground a little bit more than we've done, with the hopefully the ability to keep it in the ballpark with a little more frequency than what we've done as a staff. Uh, we need to we need to stabilize what we're doing in that starting rotation, take a little bit of heat off that bullpen, and frankly, take a little bit of heat off our offense. When do you expect him? Uh, I expect that he'll be here Sunday. Right now, that's the expectation. Uh, today, tomorrow. We are, we are operating, obviously, with a, a full component now that Martin and Lawrence are here. Uh, Rasmo will report on Sunday, but he will not pitch until Tuesday. semi-live here at Safeco Field. We're doing this again where Larry and I sit uncomfortably close together and speak into my phone to record this podcast. But um, after we were going to do it yesterday, Larry was driving back from Spokane after watching his son's team lose in the State Legion Tournament Championship. So we're doing it today and they made news today. So we have actually extra stuff to talk about. Today, the Mariners traded for Erasmo Ramirez. 
my long lost cousin. I know you were going to say something. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's traded Steve, Steve Ciszek. And then they made the announcement that Ramirez will go into the rotation. Andrew Moore was sent back to Tacoma. And so, Larry, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, it's going to be fun having a Rosmo back so we can be confused about which one is you and which one is I'm I'm much better looking. He just <laughs> smiles a lot more. Uh I I got to say, Ryan, I'm I'm kind of baffled by this by this move. I mean, uh uh it, I know that the thinking behind it, it he's controllable for another couple of years and Cshek's a, a free agent after the year, but at some point, you know, they're in a pennant race now you know two and a half games or, or i guess three and a half now out of the wild card um it's kind of a tricky spot because uh they're still under 500 you don't want to throw everything at it but now you know you've i thought the goal was to get a starting pitcher or two to help you down the stretch and you've got and you've picked up now marco gonzalez who's got a lot of questions about his readiness now he may be good down the road and erasmo who has not set the world on fire this year so i don't know if it's helped you in your immediate goal of ending your 15-year playoff drought uh on a team that has three reliable starters and two question marks, I think you, that's exactly where you still are. Yeah, you could even question whether all three of those guys are reliable because Felix hasn't always been reliable either. Um, yeah, I, look, Erasmo is right now, Erasmo is better than Andrew Moore. Um, he's better than Sam Gavilio. He's better than Christian Bergman, I guess. So you have him going forward. I, I think we'll see Marco Gonzalez probably in a week or two. Um, Jerry talked a little bit about him, Dave. We met with Jerry Depoto before the game. Uh, he just kind of went over the the Erasmo move. I'll play. I'm going to actually load the audio on the podcast, um, so you'll hear that. Um, it was funny. Jerry made the comment about uh, crashing and burning mm-hmm. in reference to the Ken Rosenthal column about Sonny Gray, and Jerry reiterated that they're not going after a frontline starting pitcher, which I never thought they really was a possibility, mostly because I didn't think they had the prospects or were willing to give up the few prospects they had. They, you know, it's not like they don't want to add a guy like Sonny Gray. Everybody wants him. They just don't have the guys. I mean, they would have had to given up Kyle Lewis and either Gamble or Hanniger and possibly more, whether it's Nick Neidert or one of their other few prospects they have. Um, and we've talked about this before. I mean, they're just, they're just weren't going to do it. And I don't know whether you think it's a good idea or not. Well, uh, I think getting Sonny Gray, of course, is a good idea, but I I don't think I would have, uh, be in favor of a trade that cost you uh, Kyle Lewis and one of the young outfielders and a third prospect. Um, it, you know, not not for two reasons. One, uh, Sonny Gray is no sure thing. He's been up and down. You know, there was a couple of years ago when it looked like he was one of the rising young pitchers in baseball, but he he's had two kind of inconsistent years. He's pitching great now, but uh, I think if you're going to give that kind of talent up, you need an absolute sure thing. And the, and the second thing is, uh, for this year anyway, um, you know, I don't think you, you mortgage the, the future uh, to that extent for uh, as iffy as this playoff run is going to be. You know, I was just thinking about it. You've got the Red Sox and the Yankees who are in... One of those teams is going to win the division, and one, I think, fairly safely is going to win one of the wild cards. Uh, the Yankees with their bullpen now, and they'll probably make one more move for a starting pitcher. Might be Sonny Gray. It might be Sonny Gray. It might be Verlander. 
uh, might be you Darvish. Those are the, seem to be the three big catches that the Astros, the uh, Dodgers, and the Yankees are probably will each get one of those. Um, but if you if you think that that's the case, and the, basically the Mariners are battling the Royals and the Rays for the second wild card, and and uh, right now the Royals have a pretty good head start, and you got the Twins in there too. So uh, it's going to be tough. It's it's going to be a, a tough road. They could uh, they could do it, but um, you'd hate to get Sonny Gray by giving up all that. And you know I know you yes you have him for for two years beyond that, but. Um, I just, I just think it'd be too much to, to give up for this year. I, I do think they need another pitcher, but not at that cost for Sonny Gray. If it was Quintana, I would have given up for Quintana. Yeah, more definitely. Than, but, but Sonny Gray's had injury history. Um, when he was drafted, a lot of people thought he was too small and that he wouldn't be able to sustain or that injuries were going to be a factor. Now he's dealt with some shoulder injuries. I think it was an oblique injury this year as well. Uh, that's not to say that he won't be good. and, and He might be really good this year, but... I don't even know if they brought him in, if that puts them over the top to get him into the wild card game. Um, really, they they need the guys they have to play better regardless of who they add. Uh, Felix Hernandez has got to get a lot more consistent. I thought it's been signs of that. Miranda's kind of hit a slow spot, so he needs to be a little bit better. Um, and then, really, their four or five spots have been an issue. You know, Gallardo, Gavilio, Bergman, whoever you put in there, they haven't been great for consistently. So maybe Erasmo's better, maybe Marco Gonzalez is better, but they're all just they're kind of right back where they're at. I mean, I don't think, yeah. you know, they're better because they have some guys that aren't. I think Gonzalez and and, um, and Erasmo are better than Gavilio and Moore right now. Uh, I think it was, you know, they didn't want to have to rush Andrew Moore, but, you know, circumstances made it happen. So, but I don't know if that's enough to get them over the top. I mean, if they're going to get to the wild card game, they're going to have to do it on offense. We've kind of yeah. known that. Well, the thing, and the other thing, the other factor in this is, uh, you know, I kind of thought that if you have weak or pitching questions, the way you get around it, or one tried and true method, is you strengthen the bullpen and shorten the game. And I thought that's what Depoto was doing when he got uh, Phelps, but now you've sort of taken one of your power late arms and Cishek and and sent him away. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, that's a little bit. Uh, mysterious to me he's a free agent i know but he uh i think he'd become a fairly reliable arm in their pen and now that's another hole that they're going to have to fill you know phelps had filled it but i thought phelps was supposed to augment it not just replace one guy with another guy yeah i I mean phelps is better than c-shack i I think he was going to take more of the high leverage situations because He's able to get out lefties a little bit easier than C-Shack is. I, I, that's the one thing, like, you know, you fortify your bullpen the way the Yankees have. The one thing about their guys is they can pitch to anybody. The Mariners have a lot of guys where they have to match up. Even Nick Vincent, they don't want to run him out there against three lefties if they can avoid it. So they they always use him off of Zepchinski. The Mariners don't have guys like Tommy Canely and, and Robertson where you, you, you trust to go against either side and you just run them one inning at a time. They have matchup guys, and that makes a difference. So I think that he could add another piece to the bullpen. He said he thinks they're done, but, I mean, do you really believe Jerry Depoto's ever done with anything? No, he'll never be done. And and the the reminder I always throw out there every year, we, all, we put all this focus on July 31st, but then there's always trades made in August and significant, really important trades. So, you know, uh, if they stay in it, you can always do something. Uh, 
in late August, mid-August, or whatever. And so that it's not going to stop, close the book on them. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think about? I may have asked you this last week. I can't even remember. But do you think Vieira has a chance of, of coming up? Oh, I think I mean, he could be that. He, yeah. Think of the boost a hundred mile, hundred and two mile an hour arm could give that bullpen. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be here definitely by about. He'll he'll be here in September because he's on the forty man roster. But maybe he's here before that. I, I definitely, when the rosters expand, he, you're going to see him because you can use him a little bit. Um, no, I don't know. It, it's weird. I'm looking at Twitter while we're doing this, and people are tweeting the comment I posted of Depoto about the front line starting pitching to Ken Rosenthal. He wrote the column mm-hmm. the other day saying the Mariners were going to crash and burn, and Jerry made a little comment about crashing and burning because he had obviously read it. I mean, yeah. he reads everything. We knew that. Um, first of all, I mean, Ken... I respect the hell out of him. Oh, he yeah, should have right. a he should have a place to be writing for, not writing these columns on <laughs> Facebook, which is ridiculous. But that speaks to the company that employs him. Um, but you know, I, he he talked to multiple um, executives, and I think one GM at this at the big league level, and and got the comments about crashing and burning and where the Mariners at. That's not an unfair assessment. And I know the guy does his reporting. I mean, you, you can speak to how how good of a reporter he is. Yeah, no, I mean, I've known Ken for 25 years, and he's one of the best in the business. He was a great columnist. Uh, he was in Baltimore, and he took the stand. Uh, this was when Ripken was going towards uh, Lou Gehrig's consecutive games record, and he wrote that that he was hurting the team by playing every day because he was. Uh, this was late in his career, and he was, you know, getting. He thought he was wearing down and 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 not helping the team. That he should sit down for the good of the team, and you can imagine how popular that made him. Oh yeah. But he he you know it was a brave stand, and I always had respected the heck out of him just for, for that alone. Um, and his assessment of the Mariners and the fact yeah. that they have some issues with their talent going forward, that's not unfair to say. No, no. And they're in that weird position where they he's trying to build for the future and doing some things that rebuilding teams do at the same time. He's trying that, to win. You know, I think if the Mariners didn't have this, this 15-year playoff a drought hanging over them and desperately wanting to end that I think he may have approached this a little bit differently uh, but I think they have to sort of uh, pay heed to that and try to win now maybe yep. uh, maybe at the expense of what your plan might have been I mean that's always been the Mariners problem is they can't ever have the stomach for doing a full rebuild and and, and they're not in a position to I mean we've talked about this ad nauseum I mean, it's hard to do uh, you know the White Sox were perfectly positioned they had a bunch of young desirable players that they could they could trade and just stack up with with prospects you know sale and Eaton and Quintana and Robertson and uh, Frazier and and I mean but you trade those guys and look at them now they're losing they're getting yeah. hammered night after night you get you're gonna pay a price for that look at the Astros and hopefully you come through on the other side but you know I, the Mariners have never wanted to do that and and that's a really good debate do you want to put your fans through what the Astros fans went through for 100 averaging 100 losses for four years in a row uh, I'm not so sure that's worth it no and they don't always come back you we've you've been to Houston you've seen yeah. that they don't come back they, they didn't come back in Cleveland when they went when they did the same thing and then they came back to win the World Series and they still didn't they still struggled to sell out that yeah. building yeah, yeah exactly. it's just, um, it is different that way we, you and I were at a, a deal where Jerry talked about the rebuilding and how 
Owners don't go for that. I, one, I know the Mariners' ownership isn't in for that right now to full rebuild. You have a new ownership group. Uh, they they are obviously been in the organization, but the last thing they want to do is kind of go into tank mode. Uh, so Jerry Depoto, I mean, he he even if he had his druthers, he still has bosses and they tell him what to do. And I don't think going into sell off mode is that. And they don't really have that many pieces to sell off. I mean, if they if they if they had lost a bunch of games and they were under five hundred going in, into well under five hundred going into the trade deadline. Obviously, they would have traded off Gerard Dyson and Danny Valencia, and they already traded off Ciszek and Zepchinski possibly. They're not. They're not going to move Nelson Cruz, and they're not going to. You know, you can't move Robinson Cano or Felix Hernandez. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm tired of people saying on Twitter that they can trade. They're not one because they're not going to sit there and eat a bunch of money to move them. This has not been this. Organ- they, this is an organization that held on to Sean Figgins for an extra year when they knew they didn't want him, but they refused to just pay the guy when he wasn't going to play. So, I, I don't know. I'm looking at this quote. So here's here's the quote from Depoto, and you'll hear it on the audio before. But he says, "I don't." We I asked him if if it was me. I asked him if they had changed anything about the, the idea of going for a frontline starting pitcher, and that um, whether that was likely or not. And Depoto said, "I don't think that's ever been likely. I think we've been conscious of preserving our talent pool. By our talent pool, if you look around our field, our catcher is 26 years old. Our right fielder is 26 years old. Our center fielder, at least the one who started the last several days, is 26 years old. Our left fielder is 25 years old. Our shortstop is 27. Our third baseman is 29. Our closer is 23. We don't think we're getting. A, we don't think we're on a jet getting ready to crash into Earth. That's the <laughs> reference to Ken's story. We think we're a sustainable." product we like our team what do you think of that assessment well i think it's valid i do think i think people tend to over uh, focus on the guys that you mentioned basically felix cruz and cano they've gotten younger essentially they, they, and then that's been depoto's mission from the time he took over this team a couple of years ago and i you know i think you got to give him credit for those three outfielders uh, for picking up segura um and uh, some of it he inherited, but I think he's done a really good job of infiltrating some young talent. But as long as you have those other three, you can't. You you, you sort of have to stay in go for it mode when you've got Felix, uh, who's you know he's got two. His era is is coming to a close. He's got two more years on his contract, but Cano's going to be here for a while. Cruz, I think he's got one more year, right? Yeah. So yeah, maybe you bring him back. But. So the the twenty twenty season or the twenty twenty seventeen twenty twenty season when Felix is off the books, Cruz have been gone for a year. You really only have Cano, Seeger, and Segura as your high price guys. Yeah. Um, that will be interesting to see what they do then. And what you're hoping is, and and I think every organization needs this because if you look at the Dodgers, uh, and you look at some of these other teams, they were able to add pieces that were still cheap around the star guys. I mean, you know, Boston has done that as well. You, you can kind of hedge your bets, but the Justin Turner acquisition didn't cost the Dodgers a ton of money. He was making nothing until this year. You know, they you need guys like that to offset the guys you pay a lot of money to. And well, the Mariners don't have nearly as much money as those teams. No, are they? They're not poor. Don't don't sit there and say I'm letting them cry poor. They're not paupers, but they also aren't. They can't spend quite like the Dodgers and Red Sox. But the, the but what makes it work for the Red Sox and the Dodgers is churning out yeah. from their farm system. Yes. Bellinger, Seager, uh, Jock Peterson. Um, they haven't made the mistakes in the draft that these guys have made. No, I mean in the Red Sox, Bookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, you know all these guys who came up through their system. The Mariners have. Haven't turned out that superstar that you need as the foundation. The, the Astros got Correa, 
um, you know, after they tanked a couple of seasons to get the number one pick. But, um, you know, we'll see. Kyle Lewis, that that knee injury was just devastating. It set a, a year setback of a guy they thought was that superstar that they could finally, you know, uh, insert into their lineup. And, uh, you know, promising signs, but he may not be exactly the same player as he was before that injury. Yeah, think about this. From a position player standpoint, the best player that the Mariners have drafted and developed since Alex Rodriguez is Kyle Seeger, yeah. and that's it. That's They've it. drafted and developed one all-star as a position player. Of course, they got future Hall of Famer Chris Taylor, yeah. who's, well, apparently, uh, yeah. who, who they can take credit for coming out of their farm system. Yeah, so um, no, it's, it's, I don't think there's any simple answers, and the Mariners are, they are a little bit in purgatory of how you can do things, but I, I, I don't think all is lost either i think next year they're going to try and compete and then you know after cruise is done next year then you can reassess maybe a little bit more and and make some decisions but they're going to have to make decisions about james paxton going forward if they try and keep him around um you know they've kept segura obviously cano is going to move to i think cano will eventually move to first base probably in the next probably three years from now or so but it's it's they're in a weird spot and I, i don't think that they were able to go out and spend for a free agent pitcher this year, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it next year because the classes aren't very good. No. And, I, you know, I, this seems like excuse-making, but I would have liked to have seen what the season would have been if Smiley hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah. You know, it looked like he was poised maybe for a breakout. And if Iwakuma and Felix Paxton had stayed healthy all year, you know, they might be in a totally different spot right now. But on the other hand, you you know that's uh, you you acquired guys with some health his- history so you you can't just say it was a fluke you 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 put yourself up for that a little bit but still that was devastating for this team i mean the the whole first half of the year they were paying the price for having so many pitching injuries so maybe we never really got to see the full potential of the of the team and that change in the, the, but no one wants to hear that at this stage no. when you when you've been so long and you know you've got the good teams overcome that stuff or or they they have enough depth to uh um to work around it yeah we and we talked about i mean we, we talked about this in the podcast at the very beginning of the season i know larry and i talked about it at spring training when we were addressing the team we felt like the the, the position player group was fine the bullpen was fine but that the starting pitching the five projected starters this wasn't even counting ariel miranda at the time they all had question marks whether it was durability or performance or both and we've kind of see that rear up on every one of them even Paxson was only out minimally i think what two and a half weeks yeah um but the rest of them, they've all had their issues, and, and that, that's what's plagued them. That's, that's been their issue all year. Yeah, it's, it's not like, like, like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's not like this came out of nowhere. You're right. I mean, you and I talked about it before they had thrown a pitch. Yeah. This was before they even reported. So uh, we, we knew, everybody knew that this was a possibility that these guys were not going to. I mean, we weren't sure if it was going to be health or if it was just going to be performance because they had all been inconsistent even in their performances. But... Um, you know, as a general rule of thumb, if you if you're counting on five question marks, you're not gonna two or three are are not gonna uh, ha- have a positive outcome. You're gonna get a couple who are gonna go to the positive side of that, and a couple who are gonna go to the negative side, and that's really what happened. All right, this um, 
I'm trying to think what else we got. So the homestand's wrapping up this weekend, and then I basically lose the rest of my life for the road. <laughs> Football uh, season starting, yeah. which means that the yeah, and I have no help. people to come help yeah. um, do you, what? Where do you think Sonny Gray ends up? Uh, I'm going to say... Um, I'm going to say Yankees. Okay. The, the, you know, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Dodgers, the three teams that are vying for these pitchers are the ones that have the deep farm systems. Yes. And that's not a coincidence. They got prospects galore, and so I think they'll. I think one of them will get Darvish. One of them will get uh, Gray. And I'm not sure if Verlander will be traded. I'm not sure if teams. And that's a tough one with the salary and the age and the wear and tear. But he's still Justin Verlander, and he's still a guy I would want for for a stretch drive and for the playoffs. I think he'd I think he'd be he'd rise to that and and be really good for whoever gets him. Yeah, I think Darvish ends up in the Dodgers. I think Sonny Gray goes to the Yankees, and I don't think Verlander goes anywhere. And I think the Astros just try and ride it out. Yeah, it's sort of like the 2001 Mariners who. Uh, wrote it out, and maybe they could have used it in an addition. Although I, I don't know if we wanted to discuss this, but people still still get mad at Pat Gillick. But Stan Pat, when you got a team that's on its way to 116 wins, I don't think there's any crying need to go get anybody. So I sort of defend him on that. I don't think that's why they lost. Uh, there's a lot of other reasons why they they lost. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's here and over there. But that, that's the thing is like. That team that year didn't lose a pitcher mid-season like the Dodgers just have Kershaw for eight yeah. weeks and and Keiko, the, is he still in the he's deal? coming back. Yeah. I mean the, the Astros staff is getting relatively healthy. Uh, with Correa being out, it's a little different. But now I, I think I think the Yankees need to go get a guy. I think it'll be Sonny Gray. I, the weird thing is they don't want to give up Clint Frazier, nor would I. I think no. he's going to be really good. And they don't want to give up Glaber Torres, so I don't know who they're going to give up for certain, but. I think that's that's my guess is where they end up. And the, you know the Yankees are a team that could win it all uh, with that if Judge gets a second win. But that bullpen is uh, is unbelievable, I think. And that's where you win in the postseason. Look at the Indians last year and the Cubs. Um, they're they're a team that nobody will will want to face if they can get to the postseason, and I think they will. All right, we're going to wrap it up because the game's actually starting, so we're going to have to go watch this. But uh, thanks for coming on, or thanks for listening to me, Larry. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening this week to the Extra Innings Podcast. A uh, little manic today trying to get all this stuff in. I know it's the weekend, but I appreciate everybody listening. Thanks to Larry Stone. Uh, thanks to Midnight Salvage Company, the official house band of the Extra Innings Podcast, for providing our bumper music. If you need to get a hold of me, you can find me at my email, rdivish at seattletimes.com or on Twitter at, at Ryan Divish, or even on Facebook where I have a professional page. It's a big smiling picture of me. I look like an idiot. Uh, again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Seconds.